Welcome back to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which took a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's masterpiece and is now setting sail into uncharted waters to discover the world beyond Jaws. Officially now, we're done with the sequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't say your name. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm MJ right, Smith. <laughs> Keep that in. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sarah Buttery, this is a, uh, the way we mean to go on. Uh, back doing our, yeah, our first not Jaws season. So this yeah. really is Uncharted Waters. Yeah. Um, but of all the Spielberg films that we're going to be covering in And all this the gin hour, joints in all the world. <laughs> this is probably the closest to Jaws. I mean, we'll we'll yeah. find out as as we go through as we go through the rest. But I think that it is very clear uh, when watching Jewel, which is what we are talking about today, uh, that you can see where Jaws comes from. <laughs> following that, um, so yeah, we are talking about Jewel, uh, which was released in 1971. It is the feature directorial debut from Steven Spielberg. Now there is some debate about this where do you stand on that mj just before i do the rest of the synopsis well what's the debate i haven't heard is it because colombo had like hour and a half long episodes no it's because the it's because duel initially aired on on tv so some people don't and it is still down as a tv movie on imdb but it was released in europe theatrically so yeah right exactly that's a a feature debut (laughs) That's where the debate ends for me as yeah. well, to be honest. But I think because some people are like, oh, it initially aired as a TV movie, therefore Sugarland is his debut, which makes Jules his uh, like sophomore. And it's just like, mm, uh, yeah, no, I, I, no. I count this as the, as the first, to be honest, because he, after it aired on TV, he added like a whole extra half hour to it. Yeah, so what it's aired like on TV? 15, 20 minutes longer than the TV version. And that's the version yeah, you get yeah. when you buy it on Blu-ray. Yeah, you can argue that, and and how many like just single like TV movies are available in like, I mean, I was showing you my fancy steel book that I've got. Mm-hmm. You can buy all kinds of like cool editions of of Jewel and stuff. So yeah, I personally don't think there is a debate, but there is a little bit of a debate uh, amongst Spielberg hmm. fans or film fans. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I could see saying that like Sugarland is his major studio debut because it is, but. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like the like the Universal logo plays before the movie when you watch it on Blu-ray. Like Universal yeah. at some point acquired the rights to release this this freaking movie. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. We're calling it the <laughs> feature directorial debut. And even if it is a TV movie, it's feature length. I don't <laughs> I yeah. don't care. Yeah. <laughs> end of debate even the tv uh, cut yes. is like one one minute shorter or the exact same length as something like nightmare before christmas like set it's the tv cut is 74 minutes and i think 
I think Nightmare Before Christmas is 75 or 76, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, some of the, like, early Disney films, Dumbo is, like, barely over an hour. Yeah. A lot of the early Disneys are, like, hour 15. So yeah. it's a film. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you guys. Uh, anywho's, uh, it is a film uh, in which a business commuter who is played by Dennis Weaver is pursued and terrorized by the malevolent driver of a massive truck. And that is pretty much the whole plot. Yeah. Uh, but obviously a lot <laughs> a lot happens uh, in in the middle of that, uh, which we will uh, unpack uh, over the course of this episode. So MJ, do you want to start us off? I have a feeling we're going to start in the same place, which is probably right at the very beginning of this film. Uh, obviously we're not going minute by minute through this, but we pretty much wrote the exact same thing down in our notes to start yeah. with so uh why don't you why don't you start us off with uh yeah some of your thoughts on on duel yeah uh i mean my first initial like high level thought about the film is guess who made a slasher movie <laughs> um <laughs> it's steven spielberg um it is i'm gonna say even more of a slasher movie than jaws by like a lot like it is mm. purely like the almost the perfect distillation of what a slasher movie is and mm-hmm. to the point of like if you watch the truck right like the truck has all these license plates on the front spielberg has said that the intent was like those are license they're essentially trophies that this mm-hmm. driver has mm-hmm. collected of other victims he's done the exact same thing he does to Dennis Weaver uh, in this movie too so like it was even conceived of by Matheson and Spielberg as a serial killer behind the wheel mm-hmm. of this truck essentially so it's a it's a freaking slasher movie man um <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing but yeah the the number one thing that immediately stuck out stuck out to me and you is first car perspective. <laughs> the hilarious thing is, you you were like, I'm not gonna send you all of my thoughts over Twitter DM because we're gonna talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. But then it was like all caps first car perspective, and I was like, yeah, FCP was the very first thing I wrote. <laughs> yeah. I wrote down in my notes, and that opening scene, it's extraordinary, and yeah. I have to remind myself that this is the first feature film that this guy has made we haven't had jaws yet we are pre jaws when this film is is coming out how audacious that opening is and i i watched the film twice in in preparation for this the first time just watching it and the second time writing notes while i was watching it so uh i got to time it today and i think it's it's around three minutes 40 i think um, before it switches from first car perspective to actually showing the car, the the red car kind of driving along the road. And that sort of first like opening shot with it like pulling out of the, the, the garage, I think is just, I think it's just so cool. And seeing the, the changing environment as well. We learned so much about this world that we find ourselves in and even a little bit about the character as well we just don't know that we're finding out stuff Mm -hmm. about the character yet all just in this really basic car strapped uh, you know camera strapped to the front of a car shot looking at things from the, the car's perspective and it's it's not just putting us in the perspective of the driver it's putting us in the perspective of the 
car, which is a really crucial thing in this film because there aren't many characters and the cars themselves, particularly the truck even more so, but also Dennis Weaver's red car, are characters as well in, in, in their own right. So, and immediately we've got that connection with Jaws because what does Jaws open with? first shark perspective of the of the shark kind of swimming around <laughs> swimming around as the as the credits are, are rolling we get the exact same thing here it's just longer <laughs> yeah i mean it's definitely from the victim's perspective rather than the uh the predator's perspective mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. the same opening like it's yeah. almost identical which is weird and it's funny watching this film to talk about it in a larger context knowing you know spielberg arguably the most well-known director who's ever lived and so like his movies have just shaped the culture for like 30 years and so even in the 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 snake lady scene which i'm sure we'll talk about in more detail lady later because that lady's awesome (laughs) but uh he brushes a tarantula off his leg like indiana jones at the beginning of raiders of the lost ark and so there's all these little moments of larger like more famous spielberg moments that happen later in his career that he essentially just takes from this movie a beat for beat (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to kind of see those sensibilities were kind of inherent to the guy you know Mm -hmm. like he just knew what he was doing from the outset you know and and Mm -hmm. to also see the hitchcock of it all i mean the score is psycho at oh. certain points yeah. like... <laughs> the driving like the um I, I wrote that down in my notes as well it's like when i think it's like it's uh 24 minutes or so before the score like properly kicks in mm-hmm. we get a lot of just like background noise radio noise chatter before then um but when it kicks in it's if you told me Bernard Herman wrote this score, I'd be like, yeah, of course you did. It's full on Bernard <laughs> Herman. Like, and yeah, I, like, I, uh, uh, oh gosh. To the point where, um, so, so yeah, like, uh, so Duel, <laughs> the, the, the guy who did the score is Billy Goldenberg. And I was like, that sounds like an alias for Bernard Herman. Like, it just, it sounds similar. Like, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like almost, like, close to the same amount of syllables. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I was like, wow. Is this a secret Bernard Herman score that we didn't know? He did it on the DL. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it sounds like, I listened to the... Um everyone will know what i mean when i say this but like the driving score in Mm -hmm. psycho so like when janet lee is like behind the wheel and it's that sort of like tension building kind of music that's the bit that i'm thinking of like it really sounds like that but it has the strings in it as well it has like the psycho strings Mm -hmm. at points as well as like when the truck is really like posing a danger uh to to the main character yeah. yeah the the similarity is that it's, it's like spielberg went i want to rip off the psycho score as much as possible mm-hmm. without getting sued <laughs> yeah yeah a hundred percent so i think all this leads me to this question i have for you is duel a horror movie that's super interesting because that that debate comes up about Jaws and mm-hmm. the answer is so conclusively yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> on, right? On Jaws. But 
I don't know, because it it has got so many elements of it that, that feel like that, but then it is also this kind of cat and mouse thriller. It's got great driving scenes as well. There's the, the sort of great, like, we call them car chases but kind of like action action scenes or driving sequences as well so it's got that action element but it is i knew you were going to bring up about it being a slasher film <laughs> because it is but you don't it's a slasher film without even seeing the kills because yeah. the kills happen off off screen presumably with the the hint we get with the the license plates but also like how common is it in a in a slasher film that the killer is wearing a mask or that we don't mm-hmm, see them mm-hmm. you know they're, they're hidden behind a, a a hockey mask or a, a william shatner mask yeah. or, or whatever like so you could you could argue can you call a film a slasher film without it being a, without it being a horror because i think that's what duel is <laughs> I think you're right. Like it's, yeah. it's it's so obviously a slasher film, like it, yeah. it, it, indebatable a slasher film, and at the same time, it's not really a horror film. It's more of a like you said, a cat and mouse thriller. It's really strange mm. to to define mm-hmm. it that way because slashers are inherently horror films and <laughs> this one just isn't somehow it's it's really weird because there's not a but there it's so tense like there's so mm. much tension the scene i mean the scene in the diner is so intense and and great Ugh. and ah oh, gosh it's such a good scene but like <laughs> it's not a horror movie even in the way that like psycho is a horror movie i don't think anyone would debate with you that psycho is a mm. horror film but, it, and this is, you know, like I said, and we've been saying, it's very much a psycho ripoff in certain aspects, but mm. it also is kind of this weird, like, road chase thriller drama thing. It's it's way less cut and dry than Jaws, I think. Yeah. It's so interesting that I had thought about it being a slasher film, but never then went oh that automatically makes it <laughs> makes it a horror film i feel like there's something even bigger to un- unpack in that that mm-hmm. you can have films that have that that sort of element but it in a way it feels even more of a slasher f- <laughs> slasher film than than jaws oh yeah it, i think it's significantly more of a slasher film than jaws but jaws that kind is a horror of movie and this isn't. <laughs> we're gonna have a breakdown now yeah. i can feel it but yeah. that, that sort of like relentless pursuit of of something and it really is like from very early on like these two guys on on the road and when these other characters come in it sort of feels it feels quite jarring you know there's moments that that he Mm -hmm. stops along the journey like the great dynasty and that that you talked about but close towards the end they they sort of have this like standoff moment as well and this other car (laughs) pulls up behind him and suddenly you're like oh yeah there are like other cars on the road because it so effectively establishes this sort of tussle this you know sparring match between this duel, great big this truck duel. and this yeah yeah well if you will yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um pointy between, stick between the, <laughs> not the pointy stick uh yeah setting this up between these these two characters these two these two vehicles and having i mean i guess that the only thing is in a 
you're going to correct me on this because you've seen more slasher films, but like, how common is it in a slasher film that it is one person going after one other person? Mm, mm-hmm. We can ignore Jaws the Revenge, in which the, <laughs> the shark is solely going after the Brodies. Sure. <laughs> but like, it's normally... Sometimes it is targeted in the sense of like this particular family or this group of friends yeah. or whatever. But... Yeah, right. So like, like even Halloween, right? The whole idea is to get to Lori, right? It's to get to Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. But like he kills a lot of people along the way just for funsies. You know, like it, it's, it is about his pursuit of Lori, but it is not mm. just him and Lori going back and forth. I mean... I would say the only, the closest thing is that movie Hush, that Mike Flanagan movie um, about the, oh, sure. the deaf woman, uh, because it's her alone in her house. But even mm. then, he still kills other people, which I guess, like, this guy does too, the, the truck driver. But um, Yeah, we just don't see it. Yeah, we just don't see it. So, yeah, uh, I, Hush is the only one that's coming to mind. I'm not super well versed in slasher movies the way I am a lot of other ones are, which... Stay tuned for my plugs at the end of that uh, of this episode for a very <laughs> ironic twist on what I just said. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I, I think that it's it's either in pursuit of a specific person or group of people, but there are mm. other casualties along the way, and usually it's because the killer has some sort of connection to that person, um, mm. or it's just they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, like, you know, Camp Crystal Lake, right? So in yeah. Friday the 13th, they're on his, essentially on his property as the way he sees it. But, you know, this is the open road. Like, I think that's what kind of makes the, the movie, like, very scary is that mm-hmm. this, you, like, you feel like it could just kind of happen on your commute. And as, as someone who watched this movie yesterday and then did a half hour commute to his new job, <laughs> it was definitely on my mind. <laughs> Yeah, and what's, I guess, what, you know, makes it, gives you that argument even more so of this this being a slasher film, is it It kind of does, in a way, feel like he has singled this guy out. I mean, obviously, it, it's a little bit of, like, wrong place, wrong time, right. and another car coming along. It's not, he wasn't pursuing him from the moment he, you know, pulled out of out of his driveway yeah. and, and onto the road. It's sort of, they, they find each other in sort of you know when the road's a lot quieter and but going based on the 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 number plates that are on the the license plates that are on the Mm -hmm. the front of the truck it they're all from different places yeah and the dave dave man's license plate is california one Mm -hmm. right um so it could it could also be this kind of well, it's, you know, it's trophy kills type of thing, but there's... I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that are on there. There's, like, Nevada. New, Max- New Mexico's on there, I think. Wyoming. It's like a, yeah. It's, like, a lot of the Southwest yeah. Uh, United States. Yeah, so so it's almost like, you know, he see, he sees this guy in, in his rear view, and he goes, right, that's, a, that's one I don't have. Here's, like, my next victim kind of thing. Because yeah. it, it starts off with him driving very slowly in front of the car and obviously you know the car wants to wants to overtake so he does and he lets him go and then you think you know this is just any 
other <laughs> driving interaction that anyone who's had a driver we have we have tons of these sort of things all the time particularly on roads like like that you're always going to come across someone who's driving that bit slower and it's safe to do so you kind of go around them and everyone's happy but then obviously the the truck sort of starts starts pursuing him and it's there is nothing he can do to shake this guy off and he tries a number of things so it does sort of feel like even though it's he didn't specifically say i'm gonna try and run this guy off the road he chose him when he sort of saw him coming up behind him if if you will and and that's because he's sort of crossing off all these license plates on his on his list a very sinister thing to to think about really but and even again as i talk about it thinking about how just that as an idea i mean it's not spelled out in the film that's something that when you sort of read about afterwards like that's why there are all those those license plates on there it's it's a creepy idea and a creepy thing to to think about that this truck does just sort of like go around and like when someone happens to pull up behind him that is with a certain license plate and he goes right that's the that's the one i'm gonna i'm gonna pick because it does make it sort of feel very very real world like this could just happen to anyone yeah i mean i i hadn't thought about it as him collecting trophies from every state like some sort of deranged sufjan stevens but i like that um (laughs) and yeah i mean like i said on my commute the other day it's it just I thought about it for a second. Like it, 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 it I, it's, it's one of those things where very real world scenarios uh, make it scary, right? There's the meme of Final mm-hmm. Destination 2 ruined a generation for driving behind logging trucks. Uh, and <laughs> very much so. I know a lot of people haven't even seen that movie, but they saw the trailer and that was all over the trailer. So I think every everyone thinks about that when they drive behind a logging truck now <laughs> and uh yeah it does make it that much scarier i mean you know jaws as well you you can think about is shark attacks are real things that happen i mean we just referenced the one that happened in san luis obispo um morro bay area uh on this past christmas you know like they found a victim from a great white shark and you know, it doesn't, it's sensationalized for the film, and this is too, but it's also, you know, there's movies like The Strangers that they, you know, when they ask them why they did it, their response is because you were home. And so this sort of like just because motivation that the trucker has is inherently like kind of, kind of horror adjacent, I would say. I mean, mm-hmm. but then you get, you know, if you listen to a lot of Johnny Cash, he has that line in Folsom Prison, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. And when he, when asked about that line, he was like, what's the worst reason to kill someone? And he was like, just to watch mm-hmm. them die is, is the worst reason. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And that's the vibe you get from the truck driver here. But we all know truck drivers, right? Like we all see them on the road all the time. They're everywhere. They're, you cannot avoid them basically no matter where you live it's a very universal experience is being in any sort of vehicle even if you don't drive on your way to work and seeing trucks on the road and so uh yeah because of that it's very very relatable and you brought this up i don't think i would have ever made this connection uh in our twitter dms that i mean the the 
the character is named David Mann. Like, mm-hmm. it might as well just be, like, his <laughs> name might as well be Just a Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Big Just a Guy energy yeah. <laughs> from, from, our, from our Dave Mann. Yeah, th- when you sort of think about it, you're like, oh yeah, he is, he is literally called Mr. Man, if you're gonna do yeah. it <laughs> formally. Yeah, like... that's some real interstellar shit, where like, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very that. <laughs> and the, the, the him being an everyman, I think is such a crucial thing to this film, and we see it come up again in Jaws, Brody is is as sort of like one of the you know the ultimate everyman. He's just he's a he's a family man. He's a he's a cop. He's you know in this in this small town, and you wouldn't expect something like that to happen to him. And Dave Dave Mann just seems like the most average of Joes. Mm-hmm. Like he he really does, even down to like what he's dressed and his car is kind of flashier than i think a sort of like regular joe schmo type of type of thing it's a pretty nice car but you can sort of see it as maybe his his car is kind of his pride and joy i feel like i know people like that who sort of live a very you know normal existence he's got the the wife at home and the and the two kids but his sort of you know nice thing that that he has is is his car um and you get a little bit, I didn't realise it until watching it this time as well, you get a, a, a bit of a feeling of this um, sort of class divide as well between the the truck driver, even though we don't see him. Ooh, and, good point. And Dave Mann. And he is, Dave Mann is undisclosed business, but is, is you know, travelling cross-country for a meeting, we presume, because I think he goes on about being late, and he's got a briefcase, mm. so, you know, he seems to be doing okay for himself. And obviously, we never see the truck driver, or maybe we do, we'll get to that. Um, but the truck isn't in the best shape. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it looks pretty beat up, probably from all that murdering. <laughs> um, but this this idea of, of sort of uh, middle class, I would say Dave Dave Manners and, and and working class or sort of blue collar and white collar thing is very obvious in this film, and we see that come up again in Jaws as well with the sort of conflict between um, between Quint and Hooper. It's done in very very different ways, but I just think it is so fascinating to look at Duel in the context of Jaws or look at Jaws in the context of Duel and just see like how clearly one thing led to led to the other but this this everyman concept in in jewel is something that is so important because he is just a guy this could just happen to anyone it is random he just happens to be on the road with a license plate that the truck doesn't already have and there's something so great about that i think and yeah interesting to see how that is is handled differently in this to to how it's handled in in jaws but yeah there are quite a, f- a few sort of crossover themes between between the two films but that's that's definitely one of the major ones i think yeah and there's weird gender stuff in this movie too like yeah the, there sure is which is <laughs> it, i did not remember that at 
all. But like most of that opening is this guy talking to like a census worker on the radio about how he doesn't think he's the head of his household. He thinks it's his wife, but he's embarrassed by that. And then like we find out that Dave is kind of in a similar situation where he feels like Mm -hmm. put upon by his wife for some reason. And like, we -hmm. find out that it's because they were at a party the night before. And like the way the wife makes it sound is like, she uses some pretty harsh language to describe like what, what happened at this party. (laughs) (laughs) And like, essentially like one of their friends was coming on to her pretty aggressively Mm -hmm. if she's to be uh taken Mm -hmm. at the way she describes it uh and he didn't do anything so he feels like he's kind of like a weak man in that sense and so this sort of standoff he has with the driver is sort of a way for him to make up for that it's weird it's really weird yeah i'm I'm glad you i'm glad you've touched upon that because that is one of the things that having gone minute by minute through Jaws and unpacked it in as much detail as we did, I have, it has, we've said this many times, it's completely changed the way that I watch films now. Mm -hmm. So the very, very first time I I watched Duel was because Martin uh, frequently says it's better than Jaws, uh, wouldn't let us uh, continue in the early stages of our relationship until I had seen Duel and uh, confirmed whether Jaws was better. And I mean, obviously it is, but I still did very much enjoy it. Uh, And it is a a long running joke between us now that uh, whenever I mention Jaws or Duel, like the other one comes up. Um, But anyway, yeah, I... I kind of took it for what it was on its on its first viewing, which was uh, a really exciting and really tense cat and mouse thriller. The same as you do with Jaws. You mm-hmm. watch Jaws the first time around and you go, that was a really fun, thrilling, exciting, scary film. You kind of take it for what it is. And then you watch it with a slightly different hat on. So watching this with my LJ fam hat on, I was like, this film is about masculinity. Yep. And it's, I mean, we get that in, in, in Jaws again, but that weird-ass radio conversation, it only gets put into context, like, later in the film. It's very clever how it is kind of weaved in there because it's so weird and out there, that conversation, that I was really listening to it because I was like, this has to be important. Yeah. Like how we kind of tuned ourselves into listening to all the background radio stuff in 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 jaws just to try and find all those like tiny little context clues but yeah it's this guy who's like i don't know i need to fill in this census but i don't know who to put as the head of the household because i stay at home and and do all the cleaning and stuff my wife goes out to work and this this sort of crisis he's having over his role within within the household and his gender roles or or whatever and then we get it's when dave stops at the first gas station and the guy, the attendant says, like, uh, you're the boss. Oh, yeah. And his response is, not in my house, I'm not. Um, and this is pre him having the conversation with his wife. So it's like, ooh, okay, that gives the strange census radio call, like, a little bit more context. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little bit more. And it's blowing my mind even just talking about it now because I watched this the first time around and you're like you really don't learn that much about this character he is just kind of this dude like wrong place wrong time sort of thing but you watch it in a bit more detail and there it's so layered and there's so much great stuff going on here that it's just like cannot believe this is Spielberg's first film 
but yeah, so the the conversation with with written uh, by the uh, writer of Jaws 3D. <laughs> we don't need to bring that up, do we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> what his wife says, very strong words that she uses, but again, that is giving us some some more context. And what I took away from that was, it sounds like, as you said, someone coming on to her, she didn't like it, but he didn't do anything about it and that has created some tension between him and his wife so you can see that as like his masculinity in a way being challenged mm-hmm. or threatened by another alpha male if you will and he didn't do anything about it at the time and he's now he didn't i don't think he even got to say goodbye to his wife or something that's why he's calling her now to be like oh i didn't see you before i before i left and they this is what they talk about so he hasn't had the time to sort of like make amends or say anything about that. And now he is in this situation. He's already had the first sort of small confrontation with the truck at this time. It hasn't really escalated mm-hmm. at this point. But mm-hmm. this, whatever it was, happened at this party with this other guy is obviously playing on his mind a little bit. And you sort of see it's something that he wrestles with like throughout the film, this feeling of being inadequate and there are also times as well when he really is like showing off and it does become a bit of a dick measuring contest as well between this truck driver that we never see and and the and the sort of the main character where they're trying to outdo each other and using a sort of a very stereotypical you know view of of masculinity like what is it when you've got two two bros or whatever who are, are kind of showing off about about something you know there who's the smartest Mm -hmm. who's the quickest who's got the most skill who's got the most strength like these are the kind of things that come into it and through these different confrontations between dave and between the truck driver we see those things those things happen like it does sort of start off as this like trying to outsmart each other you know he's waving him he's waving him past but he's actually waving him into the direction of a of an on you know an oncoming car and then he's like speeding you know speeding away from him trying to go faster than him then he's trying to maneuver himself off off the road and then it becomes at the end you know more of a a display of kind of physical physical strength i just think that it's just incredible how that (laughs) weird ass radio call at the beginning like it means something it's you wouldn't think it initially until you unpack something in the in the detail that we're going into but you know it's it is clearly there in the film this idea and this you know because some people would just i don't know wouldn't perhaps be reacting in in the way that that he reacts obviously you don't know what you would do in this situation because you would just really hope that you wouldn't find yourself (laughs) in this this situation but it does become this sort of he dave man uses this scenario that's happening with the truck driver to kind of make up for what happened when he didn't stand up for his wife if that makes any sense at all (laughs) yeah um once again i've seen this movie like three or four times never locked into that theme at all and what's (laughs) what's interesting is that when he's having that conversation with his wife it's shot through like a a, a a front load like washer or dryer, mm-hmm. um, which is one a domestic responsibility often like traditionally associated with the woman of the household, um, it, and uh, also 
gives like makes you feel like a voyeur uh, because of the way it is it is framed, but also on top of that, um, makes it feel like a, like what you're about to watch is like a dueling submarines movie almost like because that's I mean that's essentially what it is right like obviously they don't have like Mario Kart style like power ups and weapons on their cars, <laughs> but it's kind of two vehicles going at it with each other and the most common way we've seen that is like high seas movies right so like pirate movies or submarine movies and stuff like that so it it looks like a porthole sort of um Mm -hmm. so just that one shot carries three different meanings in it that are all valid ways to interpret the larger themes and 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 uh actions of the film and this is his first fucking movie (laughs) like i've actually i've got a fourth to add to that as well because the thing that it made me think of is like looking at it you know because the the door is this is a very literal thing but the the door of the the washing machine is round and we get a lot of shots of of dave like in the he's got little round mirrors on the side Uh of his car so we get this sort of Mm. nicely mimicked kind of like later in the film we see a lot of like reflection shots or shot through windows shot through mirrors that sort of thing so it's also a nice kind of like visual thing as well but yeah agree with all the things you're saying yeah and that's i think that's the crazy thing is like we talked about how you know spielberg uses every inch of the orca to find these like new Mm. interesting ways he uses every inch of this car to find new interesting ways to shoot David. Because it's just, I mean, it's basically just Dennis Weaver carrying this movie start to finish, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we're with, he's in every scene. We're with him the entire film. Yeah, there's like the scene in the diner that's pretty populated. Yeah, there's like people who check on him. There's the scene with the kids. But it's the Dennis Weaver show. Like, he, Mm -hmm. this movie would live or die by him in this movie. And he's great in it. But it also would live or die by the visual language of it, which, like, for a first film is, like, it's it's pretty restrictive, right? It's Because it's, it's just mm-hmm. these two cars, these two vehicles going at it. And, like, how do you keep that interesting for 90 minutes? Well, Spielberg figured it out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they made this on, like, a shoestring as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's incredibly low budget, and it doesn't feel like it at all there's no. one very i think very charming mistake that <laughs> happens later do you sp- do you spot the little spielberg cameo the accidental spiel accidental spielberg no okay i have got the timestamp. let me just find it uh 56 49 into the film i don't know how easy this is for you to check now but you could if you just google spielberg cameo duel um it's when he's in the phone booth and there's a little reflection oh yeah little baby spielberg in the the window (laughs) and it's very funny because immediately after that you don't see him and it's like the camera doesn't move like it's the exact same shot he's clearly just moved out of the shot because he's looked at it and gone oh shit i accidentally made it into into that shot oh he's in it for a while too yeah it's that's quite endearing to me like a lot of people are like oh boo mistake not a perfect film take a mark off sort of thing i'm like 
this is baby's first feature film like i'm not mad at it at all i actually think it's quite i I think it's quite sweet (laughs) there's a whole james bond movie where like not a whole james bond movie the crew isn't in the whole movie but there's a james bond movie (laughs) where like they bump into a dresser that has a mirror on it and they move the dresser and you can see the whole crew and soundstage and the reflection of the mirror after they do it and like in the special features of that blu-ray they say like you know we had the option we could have we could have because we restored these movies so meticulously we could have taken them out so watch the movie mm-hmm. and like see if we did or not and you know what they did they didn't do that so you can still see even yeah. like they kept it in because it's like it's kind of charming <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing with this and i i feel like it was probably a very practical thing at the time like they made this on such a shoestring he probably saw it and was like well look i'm not gonna go back and yeah. refilm that now like it's fine maybe people won't notice but you know we, we kind of did um but yeah should we should we talk about this dynasty because i think we've spoken about it quite a quite a bit and there's some really really interesting stuff that that happens in it um, I just wanted to give a, a, I mean, shout out to Spielberg uh, again. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the <laughs> the man needs uh, needs talking up every now and again. Um, that when he walks into this is uh, the character, not Spielberg. When he walks into the the diner, he's kind of like talking to himself, where it's like this internal monologue, mm-hmm. basically. And one of the things he says in that internal monologue, he's like you know, this is only like 20, 20, 25 minutes out of your life. Like this isn't, you know, he's trying to basically calm himself down and say like, what has just happened is, you know, a, a, a mere blip on the, the, the grander scheme of things in, in my life <laughs> up to and, and after this point. Um, and I was like, I wonder if that's how much of the film uh, has, has lapsed so far. And it was pretty close. It was like 27 mm. or 28 minutes when he says that line. So I was like, well done, Sp- yeah. <laughs> well done, Spielberg. And it does, like, I feel like one of the things that makes this film so effective is that real feel time to it. Like, we literally, it does feel mm. like, I mean, you know the geography better than me. We we can come on to that later. But the it does feel like this journey from where he was where he started and where he's going to like would have taken an hour and a half yeah like, with it definitely would have. he's taking as well like yeah so i i that's just a really small thing that makes me very very happy that like that that line of sort of saying like you know this has only been like 20 25 minutes and that is with a couple minutes you know out how much of the film had had happened so far but it, it, if you count the first car perspective is about three minutes and 40 seconds so it's uh, mm-hmm. it's about spot on yeah yeah pretty much in terms of like when when he first encounters the, the driver yeah it is 20 minutes yeah because it's like seven minutes in that the the truck sort of first makes its move yeah. so even better but yeah dyna scene pretty good pretty good tension building. yeah that was the scene <laughs> when i first saw it that was the scene that sold me on the movie like i was like oh this is cool and interesting and yeah. then i saw that and i was like oh man <laughs> so just out the gate then huh spielberg like you just fully formed <laughs> huh yeah yeah it's so it's so effective oh my gosh even just like thinking about it now i feel like a little bit of like heart rate mm-hmm, increasing mm-hmm. and it's so simple it's so straightforward it's what he does so well in Jaws, in creating these moments of, of tension through, you know, nothing almost. Yeah. Like, it's literally just a guy in a diner. And I think that the internal monologue certainly adds something to it. And it also, 
starts putting in this idea of like him kind of starting to lose his mind a little bit which is something that that comes up again later and because the people everyone he encounters and tells the story to they're like you you crazy you're the one that's crazy um but it's those guys like all like sat at the at the bar it's the like looking down at their feet i mean denim and cowboy boots i mean like try and narrow it down for that area of california that is the uniform (laughs) yeah that's all we see of 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 the truck driver kind of early on and he's trying to figure out which one of these guys it is and there's so many great like double bluffs mm-hmm. in that like the guy in the brown shirt you're convinced it's him because it lingers on him at the end and he's got kind of shifty looking eyes mm-hmm. and then he gets up and he gets into another truck and it's oh it's <laughs> it's so glorious because maybe he was in there and maybe he wasn't yeah we don't know we don't need to know yeah, he's schrodinger's truck driver right like <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's the episode title. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, and like, I'd forgotten that he kind of confront, like, actually does confront the guy as well, because he sort of has two fake confrontations, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Where he, like, goes up to them in his mind yeah. and is like, hey, sorry about that. Let me buy you a beer. And then he goes up to <laughs> the guy he does actually go up to, he is a bit more forward with and ends up getting into into a physical altercation and even that isn't the guy like i don't think the truck driver was even in that i don't either diner because like you don't you don't see another person leave unless it's just kind of like shot like very very cleverly you don't see when he kind of like goes goes back outside and is is getting ready to get back into his car and stuff you don't see another person come like after him or before him and, and get into the truck or whatever so he could have just been sat in his truck the whole time. He could have been round the back. Like, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think he's not He's not in that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it, and it's funny, too, because he goes in there and it's just full of like good old boys like it's uh it's mm. it's just full of all these dudes look like they could be a truck driver you know and a lot of them are mm-hmm. and they're eating sandwiches and drinking beer and then getting behind the wheel of their truck which is very funny um <laughs> they're all dressed the same yeah. as well pretty much right? yeah like blue blue shirt denim yeah and so i i want to talk about that which is uh i'm basically from that part of california <laughs> um and that's what every blue collar dude looks like in that part of California. Uh, yeah, this movie was shot basically in my backyard. If you saw my tweet about it, I said, it's wild, like watching this movie and just like recognizing the geography. It would be like if they shot Fury Road on the street you grew up on. Like, it's. Yeah, it, there's a there's a whole like Bakersfield sign right at the beginning, right? There's like I, four. <laughs> like you yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that down in my yeah. notes because, like, every time now Bakersfield is mentioned or seen in anything, immediately I'm like, Bakersfield! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's on his way. Not, he's not on his way to Bakersfield. He actually goes, the, 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 he takes a deviation. So what's funny is, once again, Psycho Connection. Um, in mm-hmm. Psycho, Marion Crane is on her way to Fairvale, Fair, Fairview? What's it called? The town in the town in Psycho. Uh, 
she's in she's on her way to that and she takes the left to Bakersfield and uh that film very much takes place in the county I grew up in to the point where Psycho 2 establishes that the biggest town <laughs> near Fairvale is Bakersfield which is wild to me and so it's not the exact same sign but it's set up in the exact same way that that sign is set up in Psycho and so he's presented with like left is Bakersfield right is Lancaster California which is only like I don't know maybe an hour away if that 45 minutes and he goes to the Lancaster side so he's going slightly east of Bakersfield slightly slightly southeast of Bakersfield but it looks exactly the same like that is the landscape I grew up looking at. Um, it's a little flatter in Bakersfield, <laughs> but if you go essentially any amount east in Bakersfield, it looks exactly like that. And uh, so that whole strip of road, I didn't really drive that strip of road a lot, but I drove identical roads to it growing up. And so uh, mm. it was really weird, really locking into that this time and just being like, I can't imagine because the whole thing in in... So the passage from Bakersfield to L.A. is something called the grapevine. That's what they call it. And uh, not the titular grapevine that you may or may not have heard it through. But uh, <laughs> it, they always talk about like whenever it's like a point of anxiety for parents who are letting their kids drive the grapevine for the first time. It's just a steep mountain road. Um, it's not particularly dangerous. I think it was more dangerous when our parents were kids and they had 1970s cars like the ones in this movie that couldn't, sure. <laughs> couldn't quite make it up the, the hill as reliably. Now, like, I don't think anyone's having a problem getting over the grapevine in a, in a car post, like, 1990. Um, but it is definitely ingrained of, like, that generational thing of, like, oh, the grapevine's hard to drive on. Make sure you're careful. And it's mm. not as steep. The roads aren't as steep in... Um, dual but they're one lane roads and so there's a lot of that uh in in those areas of california and they're really scary to drive on so watching them do these crazy like stunts not just in a car but with like a friggin semi it really like <laughs> jacked up my personal anxiety with this movie way more than it ever has like really clocking like oh this is like you grew up driving around this and it was scary to just like drive them at all like i can't imagine having and i'm sure yeah. they close the roads and stuff but still like some of the stuff they do with that truck is really scary just for like the even the driver in the truck like uh the, like mm -hmm. the stunt driver mm -hmm. is really terrifying almost scarier than the stuff that's actually happening on screen if you think about them trying to make this movie on like no money for abc like yeah. this is not he mm -hmm. he did not have to go this hard and like really did kind of put a lot of people in danger, I think, by by doing this the way he yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> he he really did. I was uh so I, I wrote quite an in-depth thing about uh about Jewel for, for Looper and it was really fun to to research it. Particularly I think I even sent you some stuff at the time and I was like absolute mad lad behavior yes. from Spielberg of like some of the stuff he was doing on this because that driving or you know the truck going off the cliff they did that for real. They only had one truck. They had to get that in in one shot. Otherwise, it was going to be a, a very, very expensive uh, mistake to make. Um, but they also, because of, of, of budget constraints, the obviously the truck the truck driver presumably is a is a stuntman anyway. 
uh, in this. But Dennis Weaver isn't, but he did do a lot of the the stunts himself. So incredible commitment to the part, really. He reportedly himself drove more than 2,000 miles during the shoot. Um, So a lot of that stuff of him driving is him driving. There's very little in it that isn't. Um, so that's wild to think about. Um, the maddest thing is, I mean, we talked about the the, the telephone booth yeah. and the little uh, Spielberg cameo. Um, they did that, and they very nearly killed uh, Dennis Weaver. So there was a, a, an interview that he talks about doing the stunt work in the film. Um, and he said that, uh, <laughs> uh, unsurprisingly, uh, I have a very strong memory of filming that scene, the phone booth scene. All of a sudden I said, hey, Stephen, you don't need a stunt double. I'll get in there and do that. I was in that telephone booth and it ran through my mind. What the hell was I doing in here? Where do I jump out? I had to gauge that on the sound I heard. I had a real moment where I thought, that's a pretty stupid thing to do. I really enjoy that. (laughs) Enjoy that story. And holy crap, that is a near miss. I was watching, knowing that now, like knowing that it's him in it and he's kind of looking for you know spielberg or someone off camera furiously waving uh while also trying not to be reflected in the in the phone booth and he can't hear anything because he's in the phone booth and him having to judge how long it will take him to get out of that phone booth imagine if the door had got stuck Mm -hmm. i mean that really sets my anxiety off thinking about that because that it's really close. I don't know if it's just clever camera angles, but that truck is really freaking close to really that close. phone booth. Yeah. So th- just the fact that, I mean, this is why we love Spielberg, right? Particularly early Spielberg. It's just that willingness to go there. The ballsiness of this kid. I mean, he was young when he made Jaws and he is even younger when he made this the ballsiness to just be like i'm gonna do this and i'm this is the way i'm gonna shoot it as well because it's not just in the the driving and the stunts and everything and the explosions and crashes which are all very impressive Mm -hmm. but it's in the way that it's shot as well it's like it's these extreme kind of low angles and stuff like you can imagine i think that they the camera that was used in bullet or something for like the driving Uh scenes in bullet they they used the same the same camera or the same camera technology that was used um in that the the mount or whatever uh, that goes on the car to get those like really extreme low angle shots that that they got for it and it works because it it really puts you in the throes Mm -hmm. of it you get such a sense of speed when that truck is and it's a truck it shouldn't move that fast he even says it in the film like you should not be going this fast but you get that real and very intense feeling of danger that is just incredible and it maintains that from what seven minutes in through to the very end yeah i mean they're doing you know amazing to do the conversion for since most of our 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 listener bases in europe they're pretty like on average they're well they get up to speeds of 90 miles an hour which is like 144 kilometers uh but they're averaging like 128 kilometers an hour uh like the the if you look at the speedometers they're like roughly around 75 80 miles an hour and that's yeah that's Mm. 128 kilometers an hour for the whole movie and then when it gets real real like intense and scary it's 90 miles an hour which is 144 miles 144 kilometers per hour wild yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, and that I mean that um bit with with the the phone booth. There was there's more danger in that scene as well because those snakes are real. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, he goes to this gas station and meets this snake lady who's awesome. She's just like uh obsessed. Yeah. She's she's like cuz she's like the gas station attendant and this is back when California was like full service gas stations. Uh so you had a, you had to have an attendant pump your gas. Uh Oregon still has that. Uh I don't know if you guys ever had that in the UK. Did you have that? Not in my life. Okay. <laughs> Oregon still has that. It's illegal for you to pump your own gas unless you're driving a, a, a truck that runs on diesel um, in Oregon. Yeah, you, they have dedicated people who pump your gas for you. Not sure what the reason is, but uh, yep. So California used to have some, in, especially in that area. I think it was in that area, like Ventura County in particular, which is where they filmed a lot of that. Um, and so he goes up to her and he's like, yeah, I need, you know, I need gas and has her fill up the tank and she's like look at my snakes she's just so proud of her snakes she's got all these snakes in uh, in aquariums and then the truck driver just demolishes all of the snakes yeah <laughs> and she's so upset i feel really sorry for yep. her like <laughs> but okay is this a normal thing in these neck of the woods to just have like a little snake petting zoo next to your gas station. No. I mean, it's a talking point for no. sure. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, I didn't think so. But I, I love that. It, again, this is another thing that is so like Jaws. Just even these characters who are on the screen for like a couple of yeah. minutes, they're so mad, and they like she really makes an impression in a in a short space of time and that old couple in their car as yeah well. they're great i'm absolutely upset I, <laughs> I love that woman the way she says it, like she says jim is just really yeah. funny to me um the the, the bus, bus driver, driver is great as well he's just like swearing in front of the kids, kids. <laughs> like this little girl comes up to him and she's like it's not working and he's like shit yeah <laughs> it's so great i just I, Even the kids I love that because who just you, you... immediately jump on Dennis Weaver's car and sit on it, like, <laughs> and they're like mocking him as well yeah. when he can't move the when he can't move the bus, like oh, but just those like small small moments. I think like you don't need to have those bits there necessarily, but it does it creates something more than just a guy on the road with a truck driver yeah. trying to kill him. It's that you you need those breaks in it because it is pretty relentless for for a lot of the film but if it was just driving the whole time i mean that wouldn't be realistic because you're gonna have to start to get gas at some point yeah. right but also like it 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 breaks it up it's it they do it in jaws as well it's not you know when they're on the orca it's not them relentlessly pursuing the shark the whole time there are moments of downtime there are moments where they're sat in in the in the cabin drinking together there are moments when they're just sort of kicking back uh, on on the back of the on on the back of the orca and it's the same in this as well like you can't have something necessarily that is like relentlessly tense and is a f effective effectively relentlessly tense as, as well without having those those moments to break it up and yeah snake lady is absolutely my my favorite distraction in the whole yeah thing. i she mean even a fantastic <clears throat> even fury road has like little breaks between like because fury road is just sure, it's just yeah. three 
20 minute car chases, right? <laughs> like that's that's the whole movie, but they're they're kind of broken up with like a little bit of downtime. Not much. It's not a lot in that movie. Mm. Um but even that has like moments where it has to like pause and let you catch your breath even for a second. Mm. And that movie's like way more wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the thinking about the the bit with the the school bus actually that was one of the bits that i because it had been a minute since i'd watched Mm. it before watching it twice this week i'd forgotten that that whole interaction happened i remember the diner that whole scene just really stood Mm -hmm. out to me for for it being incredibly tense and the snake lady i remember because snake lady but that bit i i had forgotten about and i you know as i was watching i was like okay this initially feels like it's taking the wind out the sails a little bit because it's not long after he's come out of the um the diner yeah. right it happens pretty pretty soon after that and you sort of think like okay like you know he's he's stopped again he's having to like help this this bus out but again looking at it in this sort of context of, of the film being about masculinity and this kind of alpha male battle that's going on like between between these two guys David Dave Mann isn't able to to get the bus to help the bus out. He basically is just trying to like push it out of the bit that it, of the road that it's stuck in, right? And he gets stuck himself. So then they have to get the the car out. But then the the truck kind of comes back, and it doesn't just come back to start pursuing Dave again. It does. It helps the bus out and does what he wasn't able to do. So it's like some kind of I don't know vehicular alpha male posturing going on where it's just like he couldn't he couldn't do the job and that's like the the display of strength that i was talking about earlier these sort of different ways that people might have of of competing and showing their you know quote manliness or or whatever it is that he is sort of left after that feeling feeling quite inadequate as well the kids are mocking him they're you know telling him he's useless and he can't do it and then the the truck comes along and does the only nice thing we see the truck and the truck driver do through the whole film which is like help the <laughs> help the bus out almost as like oh well you can't do it but i can kind of thing i'm bigger bigger tougher and stronger than you yeah. so that now like looking at it in that i'm like okay it's not that i dislike that scene it just I, I wasn't kind of certain on the the purpose of it but thinking about it like that i was like oh yeah that makes more sense to me now yeah i mean even the snake lady right like i mean the 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 truck is kind of a snake right like it's got like it it just by the nature of its construction it looks like it's slithering mm. along the road because it's got the attached trailer to it and it has yeah. more of like a it just moves very serpentine and so mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. you you kind of get the sense that he's drawing a parallel between those two things as well yeah huh i hadn't thought thought about that but that is super interesting yeah i mean i was even thinking about like maybe this is just uh andre looking for religion everywhere but like it was like david like (laughs) david in the bible king david king david's presented as like one of the more relatable characters in the bible uh snake in the bible like garden of eden i couldn't find anything but like i was trying to Mm -hmm. i was trying to (laughs) to to run that i mean i guess you could say like snake devil kind of like um yeah thing but i feel like that's kind of a stretch i don't know 
Yeah, I was I was trying to, I think I because of the the snake thing I was trying to like get to that place as well, but I couldn't. I was like there's no point in trying to <laughs> you're not always going to find something there if it's if it's yeah. not there. Maybe there is if if like we sat and thought about it more or if we went through it maybe minute by minute, minute yeah. then maybe <laughs> maybe we would we would come up yeah. with something. But even but I was like I Michelangelo's did... David like one of the first like kind of accurate like depictions of like a a human figure in art like and then man like i don't know i was i was even trying to do shit like that so (laughs) yeah i know what you mean that that watching jaws uh minute by minute has really yeah broke our brains totally (laughs) broke our brains to the point where i was trying to see if uh dr man from uh interstellar is uh has a first name and i found the interstellar wikipedia or the Interstellar Wiki mm-hmm. site, and I think oh, yeah. fan, like I think fans gave him this first name, and if not, this makes me hate this movie even more. And I already don't like Interstellar. The Interstellar fan wiki has him listed as Doctor Hugh Mann, and no, I swear, if Christopher <laughs> Nolan wrote that in a script and then Warner Brothers let him make that movie, uh, <laughs> they're the worst studio. They're the worst studio. <laughs> I'm so mad about that. Hugh man. No, that I that has to be a wind up. I need confirmation of that either way. I will be immediately researching yeah. that when we finish this. Yeah. That movie already was already like... on my shit list because of the character named Coop Cooper, but man, mm. uh literally. Uh Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah, I I don't hate it as much as some people do. I actually I actually quite like it, but I will not ever argue with someone who says that the things in it and the stuff thematically is very on the nose because it absolutely is it just it works for me more than it doesn't work for me but if his name is Hugh Man then I'm so livid about that (laughs) (laughs) I retract everything I've ever said uh, about that (laughs) film but yeah so with Duel um I even tried to do, like, a duality of man, like, dual D-U-A-L. Like. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> talk about reading too much man, into Man, I'm so glad things, that but... I can say this shit, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. And so I'm just like, well, you're insane. <laughs> I feel like there's actually no one else I could say that to, and they'd be like, yeah, it makes oh, sense. Oh, <laughs> 100%. I mean, it was when, when, when I was on... When I was on, uh, uh, what was it? Esoterica said about to talk about Color of Money. They brought up the title and I was like, well, green, green with envy, green being new to something, green, like, <laughs> I was like, you guys didn't just... fucking sign up for this. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I just hear their brains exploding in real time. Yeah. Like... <laughs> they were like, wow, that was really good. And I was like, I just do that now. Like, I just, I can't stop it yeah. anymore. <laughs> It's not. It's not a button that I can switch off yeah. now. It just. It just comes naturally. Yeah, to me. it's not even impressive. Um, it's just how my <laughs> brain works. Like my neural pathways are so formed that way now. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. And I mean, speaking speaking of jaws, I mean the whole. Hopefully, people listened when to the episode where we explained like what we're what our plans were post Jaws and we are yes we are looking at Spielberg's other films which is the season that we're that we're doing now but very much like looking at it looking at Jewel in the with the the context of Jaws and and sort of finding similarities and and common threads between them and I think 
I mean, we've certainly, we've spoken about a lot of those already. We've kind of covered the sort of predator versus prey thing. Yeah. I think that's fairly self-explanatory just in the fact that it's a very clear good guy, a very clear bad guy. One is following the other. Um, masculinity we've, we've spoken about and this sort of everyman thing we've spoken about. But I wanted to get onto this idea of the, the threats or the evil being unseen mm -hmm. because I think it's even it's even clearer in Duel than it is in Jaws because we do not we do not see this guy yeah like, you see his arm and like yeah, there's you could probably frame by frame to see who it is at one point like yeah. you see his head kind of turn and he's look credited yeah but I I, I assume yeah. it was just a, a stunt driver that portrays him yeah the whole movie. for like, sure just it's probably just a stunt driver that's that's uh that and that's probably yeah. who the creditor the, the credit it goes to in it so in a way yeah, like that's yeah. really interesting and easy but at the same time like i was talking about that really limits spielberg on what he can show and what perspective he can show and so mm. to see him kind of dance around you know these these vehicles like this without showing the driver in full detail and still make an exciting 90 minute movie is beyond me you know yeah it's it, if anyone it, you know people who haven't i don't know anyone who has, has never seen a, a, a spielberg film but if i wanted to like boil down what it is that i love about spielberg so much obviously i would tell them to watch jaws but i think i would also tell them to watch yeah. this because i think it it's so it so clearly bottles it down into into why he is such an incredible filmmaker the fact that you know he is able to create this incredibly tense film like we are scared of this truck driver and we are scared of this this truck and they they do a good job of making that truck the truck itself seem very very formidable and uh with the sort of the camera angles they they use and stuff and just the look of the the, the truck in general they make it look kind of you know kind of scary yeah. and, and intimidating but being able to to create all of that i mean we're talking about it as you know a slasher film and a, a, a horror film kind of sort of but you never actually see the person behind the wheel like that's just incredible to me and i i like how much of the shark we see in jaws mm -hmm. but part of me is like jaws would also work if we saw even less of the shark it just it just circumstance that the shark didn't work as much as they wanted it to so we don't see it that much but they create as much tension just through the score or a bit of the shark you know a fin or something in the distance or even just kind of like using you know the shark perspective and, and things like that to create to create this tension without seeing it too too much you know we we feel it we we feel the presence of it and we feel that with the truck as well like even when the truck isn't seen on screen the isolation of the road the circumstance that that this guy is in the way this truck behaves as well feels quite unnatural and, and that's very similar to, to Jaws as well that is all making us sort of like look around like like our character is sort of looking around at the road like where is that truck hiding like it, we have these moments of respite where we're like oh it's gone now it must have gone you know he he's pulled over for an hour or whatever and then it's like round the corner waiting for, <laughs> waiting for him but 
you feel scared like there's a, it's not a jump scare but like when when you see the the truck appear at the end of the the tunnel and then it suddenly oh, turns its, it's lights my favorite on. scene in the movie That's it's scary. so good it's yeah. so good <laughs> it's so good and like you know emerging like through the dust and stuff as well they do a mm. lot of sort of stuff you know the the, the roads are dusty and uh, the driving sort of fast especially when they're going like off-road and stuff so vision is obscured and then you suddenly see the truck like appear through through the dust but just being able to create that that very real sense of threat through something as innocuous as a truck like come on <laughs> yeah i mean spielberg is the king of making movies with significant characters that ultimately don't matter and now what i'm saying is like sure <laughs> like you can't delete the truck driver from this movie and have it right because then it, the, the the truck has to have a driver right but mm-hmm. like it does not matter that we don't know who he is you cannot delete mm-hmm. the shark from jaws there needs to be a shark but it does not matter whether we see yeah. the shark or not uh, Indiana sure. Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. You can remove Indiana Jones from that movie, and the whole movie takes place exactly the same in the exact same order. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's it's really interesting to think about how he kind of is great at that, right? Like these very significant characters that we love that ultimately would not change the movie if you never saw them. Yeah, I don't. Even thinking about that, I'm like, how? Yeah, how do you? <laughs> how does how he do, you do, it? do that? Like, what are you? What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> and he just refined it. Like he kept, he kept doing it. Like, I think. I, I mean, I kind of think. Jurassic Park. If you don't see the T Rex, even might still work. Mm-hmm. You know, and the T Rex is the most significant dinosaur character in that entire franchise. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. That's so wild to, <laughs> to to think about how he consistently just, like, makes these incredibly great movies that have characters that, like, don't matter if you see them or not and still have the same kind of weight behind them. Mm. That'll be such an interesting thing as, as we go through Spielberg's other films, like, particularly these these early ones, I think, where it's like, is there a character? I don't think there'll be a character like that or you could say that's like that in every no. single film but it'd be interesting to sort of like see if that is something that continues <laughs> yeah the idea of doing something chronologically i mean that's why i i loved going through the disney films chronologically so much because it's a completely different experience you see how animation changes you see how culture society technology changes like you you get to experience something in a completely different way and looking at even the, you know just in this series we'll be looking at I think we go up to to Hook uh, in this in mm-hmm. this first season but just looking at that sort of portion of Spielberg's career I think is just an incredibly worthwhile thing to do like see him develop as a filmmaker see him change see what things carry through from from one film to the other because I mean we you Duel and Jaws are the kind of the same, the same film executed differently but very very similar uh thematically and 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 in the sort of the techniques particularly in intention building that they use so yeah kind of fascinated to to see what it is we learn about spielberg as a filmmaker as we as we go through his films in 
in this first season at least but yeah, yeah. and uh you know it's not just us going through it you guys are going through it with us mm-hmm. uh which is why we have opened up listener comments um for all these movies now that's the benefit of not going minute by minute um is you know we can't be like we couldn't be like hey what were your thoughts on this one minute <laughs> of jaws uh but now we can be like what were your thoughts on this you know particular spielberg film so we have uh, Wrath of Khan, with three N's, says, I love the way this movie begins in a safe, familiar environment, and then proceeds to strip away all the comfortable surroundings until the driver is alone and exposed in an unforgiving landscape. Like Jaws would have felt mm. if Brody was alone on the boat. Yeah, I mean, Jaws yeah. kind of ends up that way, right? Because he's abandoned by, not abandoned, but you know, he's left alone on the boat by Hooper and Quint. Like, Quint dies, Hooper's like hiding. And so he, we still kind of get that mm-hmm. at the end of Jaws. <laughs> He's definitely alone when the orca's in the worst shape it's been the entire film. Yeah, and I mean, you get like that sort of boiled down right at the beginning of the film that that three and a half minute opening first mm-hmm. car perspective thing. Like you see the landscape change from his nice house and and his nice car and his family and his driveway and then he drives through like a city there's lots of traffic and it's it's pretty busy and then you just you see not quite in real time because you wouldn't be able to drive it that quickly but like you see the roads get quieter you see the landscape change around him and that that sort of feeling of you know he's away from from what's comfortable and away from sort of the, the the comforts of home and sort of where he's used to an environment that he's used to, to now just that feeling of isolation. I mean, there are literal tumbleweeds mm-hmm. in this film at, at one point, like drives through them. So you really do get that sense of being alone and, and isolation. He doesn't share that many words with other people. He does quite a lot of talking to mm-hmm. himself in internal monologues or, or otherwise. So yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting a really interesting point. I mean, actually, just on that, in terms of like similarities between between Jaws and Jewel, they do end very similarly. Yeah. I mean, almost shot yeah. for shot uh, in the trucks. The truck's death, yeah. <laughs> if you will, is the same as as the shark sort of going down into into the dust. As we know, he recycled the sound from Creature from the Black Lagoon and then used the the sound uh, that he used in Jewel in Jaws. Um, but that. That one, you know, obviously David Mann is is by himself for for the whole film, but Brody is by himself at the at the end of of Jaws mm-hmm. before before Hooper pops up again, and, and Hooper wasn't meant to pop up again. So we can you know say that they would have had perhaps even more similar endings had Jaws panned out in in a different way. The original intended ending for Jaws, I think, would have felt even more similar to this because there's a very brief moment of elation where he's sort of like, he's quite awkward, bless him, but like he sort of like jumps up and down and is quite sort of happy about the fact that the, the truck has gone over the edge. And then it's really somber after mm-hmm. that. And that's what we're left with <laughs> as the credits roll. It's a really strange kind of bittersweet ending to it, but it doesn't feel triumphant at no. all when we see the truck go over, go over the edge. So yeah, only just thought about that now that you know what we spoke about the original ending for jaws had it just been brody that survived you couldn't have that sort of same elation you'd probably have him being very happy at the sort of the same you know blowing up the shark moment because that is a very triumphant moment but then 
reflecting, you know, him then paddling back alone to shore, it probably would have been the same as this. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have cracked a joke. <laughs> like that's for sure. It would have been much more, much more somber and, and reflective. And like this is at the end. Yeah. I mean, also, did you notice that George Miller did the uh, reverse of the shot in uh, Fury Road when Furiosa is on her knees with the sand in the background? Oh shit! <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Do you know what? I was really admiring that that shot because it's so different to anything else in in the film. Just the colors, obviously, like the the sun going down, it's really mm-hmm. vibrant. And I was like, "What is that reminding me of?" So thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, just flip that image and replace it with Bald Charlie's Throne, and there you go. Sure. Uh, yeah, I was like, "Hey, wait a minute." <laughs> I've seen this movie yep. before. <laughs> uh, Holly Cyril one. Cyril. Yeah, that makes sense. Holly Cyril yep. one <laughs> says, uh, I saw this a long time ago. It has always stuck with me. Uh, it, it has always stuck with me that there are many similarities between its narrative structure and the one in Jaws. The fear of the unseen and being pursued until there is a fatal conclusion. I think it's a really mm-hmm. underrated movie. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think you should see it if you if you haven't. Uh, you should seek it out. It's it's real good. Pairs nice mm-hmm. with Sorcerer. Um, yeah, yep. the, the truck double, the truck double. Bill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which Sorcerer, a film that is not a horror movie that feels like a horror movie. <laughs> um, yeah, they actually like. Sorry, we <laughs> get on to the final comment after this, but there there are some kind of similarities in the this idea of um if if it's if all that we're seeing is is real and is really happening or is some of it in the character's mind i mean there's a very Mm. clear kind of descent into madness moment in in sorcerer um when roy scheider is is driving through the the desert and it's very strange in the way that it's it shot that scene as well but we 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 kind of get that it's just not as explicit here i think that what he's saying particularly in the diner and some of his like other internal monologues that he has he's not always being super rational he is having to do a lot of kind of talking himself off the ledge convinc- convincing himself and as i said earlier every other character that he tells what's happening to they're like no you're the crazy one so there's a mm-hmm. there's a kind of similarity there as well in terms of you know how much of this is actually happening that's that's a i don't think we've got time no. to unpack that's a fair bomb to drop at this point in the episode but yeah that is something that the the two films share anyway yeah for sure uh also mad lad directors <laughs> absolutely um yeah uh at hidora 44 says this is a phenomenal movie to me i had no idea spielberg number one directed it and number two didn't realize it was a made-for-TV movie until I couldn't find it. There we go. In a letterbox <laughs> format on DVD. Then I put two and two together. This might be the best made-for-TV movie ever. Uh, this is also a tradition in my house at New Year's Eve. At some point, this movie is playing. I don't want to see no stupid ball drop. I want to see the truck drop. Uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I really one of these New Year's Eves want to do a. Uh, if you start Jaws at X time, the shark explodes at midnight. Mm. Yes. That would be a good uh, thing to do. Like tweet along. Yeah. Thing as well. Maybe we can, <laughs> we can do that at some point. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, that would be fun. 
Mm-hmm. What we we'll have to do the math on it to figure out. I'm sure someone's done that, but yeah, I think both of these movies would be great. Like uh, New Year's Eve started at X time, and then the truck yeets itself off the cliff, or uh, and we get to see the camera get destroyed. Uh, we didn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Camera gets destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, and you can see it happen, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very real sense of, of danger in yeah. this, which we, we definitely covered. But yeah, that that shot is so, so audacious as well. Just like this 20-something-year-old director, like, I'm going to throw this truck off a yep. cliff and I'm going to have one chance to do it. Yeah, like, that's some real Buster Keaton that's... shit. <laughs> yeah, because they, as I understand, I think they only had one oh, truck. Like, that's my how God, much I didn't a... know that. <laughs> Yeah, th- that's how much of a shoestring they were on. My favorite random fact I know about Duel is that they held auditions for the truck, um, which I'm then imagining like a truck, like a truck mom that's like, hey, "You're doing great, sweetie." In the <laughs> like background, truck stage mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Toddler trucks exactly and tiaras. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um. Let me see if I can find the find the the quote. Yeah, so just like a, an actor had to audition for a role, there was audition of sorts for the truck. This is from the thing that I wrote. Shameless plug. Um, Spielberg recalls the art director had a sort of casting call for trucks. There were about seven semis waiting for me to cast the star. Of Joel. That's so. Funny. <laughs> the disappointment of the other trucks that don't get it. Um, the part of the truck eventually went to a 1955 Peter built. 281 tanker that according to Spielberg had a face <laughs> sure so they picked the one that looked uh, most like it had a yeah. face that's very fun though I enjoyed well that and little known fact the truck grew up to be Mac from Cars <laughs> there's a paint job on a slap a hat on it and it's a <laughs> and it's a Pixar character yep yeah. yep yeah. yeah. So, oh, driver boy. confirmed. Uh, John Ratzenberger <laughs> is actually the driver in uh, in Duel. Yeah, plot twist. Uh, <laughs> uh, on that note, did you <laughs> anything else on uh, on Duel that you wanted to? I mention? had something, and I don't remember what it was it because I was doing my cars joke. So. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I can I can finish with my closing thoughts and then maybe you'll remember it. But yeah, I uh, what I've written down basically, a jewel is uh, basically the perfect audition for the filmmaker yeah. that who would go on to make Jaws, um, and really is like Spielberg in a bottle in in so many ways. It's so thematically rich and so layered on the one hand, but also just a really simple and effective thriller on mm-hmm. the other, which is exactly what Jaws is. I mean, I had no idea we were going to be able to get as much stuff out of this as we have done until I went to watch it at the beginning of of this week and then again today. I remembered how much I enjoyed this film, but I didn't (laughs) have my LJ fam hat on the last time I watched it. So very, very different experience watching it this time around. And hopefully we've sort of opened it up for other people as well. And I mean, hopefully is a given that this episode should have a spoiler on it if you <laughs> haven't seen yeah. Duel, but if you haven't seen Duel, honestly, watch it. And that's going to go it's for great. every episode think... going forward, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we... <laughs> we'll 
be spoiling every film that we talk about. Uh, but yeah, a fascinating double bill, I think, to do to do Duel and to do Jaws. I think we'll confirm this once we've gone through all the other Spielbergs, but more than any other Spielberg film. I mean, Jurassic Park works very well as a double bill with, yeah. with Jaws because I've done that yeah. <laughs> in I the cinema. That. So, uh, but this this for different reasons is fantastic yeah. like the, the the two work so well together and i think you can look at jaws and go that has taken a lot of the the bare bones of what he was doing in duel you've given him a bigger budget more to play with and sort of you know watch him go basically <laughs> like see what see what he can achieve with having a you know a bigger a bigger budget and a bigger sort of studio behind it and stuff as well but yeah such a great film i enjoyed it even more this time around watching it i think i star ratings are kind of like yeah you know <laughs> i can take or leave but on my on my letterbox i had it as i had it as four and i graded it to five because nice. i was like i don't think there's anything i dislike about this film yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great uh you should watch it if you haven't and if you have <laughs> watch it again Watch it again. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's our closing thoughts. Uh, MJ, do you have anything that you would like to Yeah, uh, Real Perspective. Actually, if you're listening to this the day it came out, we also released our episode about the movie Prey, the new Predator film, uh, which is very good. And um, the movie, you can be the judge about whether the episode is very good. Uh, I was on <laughs> Fandamentals. I don't think I got a chance to plug this somewhat recently to talk about Elvis um and musical biopics in general biopics in general um but there's a heavy emphasis on musical biopics and the uh Baz Luhrmann Elvis film um oh gosh uh I was on another time McLeod I think I'm gonna be on the their next episode uh, which is a minute by minute breakdown of the film Highlander um to talk about a, a scene very late in the film with a very 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 funny edit out of a out of a sex scene um <laughs> and uh yeah oh i was on gag me with a chainsaw which is a podcast all about 1980s slasher films um to talk about psycho 2 which is very 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 good and criminally not talked about i think uh Man, it's good. <laughs> it's so good. And it made me go back and rewatch Psycho, which, uh, you know, any excuse I had to go back and rewatch Psycho, I will take. Yeah, I promise I will watch Psycho too soon. We have the, the Arrow Blu-ray of so it, and good. I've been meaning to watch it for a really long time, but you, you are you are <laughs> pushing me to want to watch it. It's one of those movies so that I, do that I don't soon. think I'm going <laughs> to shut up about for like a long time until I, I make a lot of people see it. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's like me and Sorcerer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else? Or is that, is that all? Um, oh, Bond We Share. Uh, our next episode should be out by that <laughs> time. I was on the Bond We Share again to talk about Casino Royale, uh, one of the best James Bond movies ever made. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I was just letting you plug loads of things because I have been doing very little <laughs> apart from walking up the stairs baby yeah <laughs> that's my achievement we'll plug the fact that my ankle is getting slightly better and i can now get upstairs to record which is uh wonderful wonderful news there'll be less uh dog barking and martin interruptions on episodes going forward uh we think anyway mm -hmm. i mean 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But um, yeah, hopefully get back into the swing of things a bit more and be able to to guest on some other episodes. I've not wanted to guest on other episodes and have sort of shoddy audio quality yeah. <laughs> for them. Uh, we've 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 got by uh, in our in our episodes. So uh, yeah, we should be. I think back to a bit more of a regular regular schedule now we've got to just coordinate some guests and figure out what uh best recording day and time is is for us uh in terms of putting these episodes out but yeah fortnightly is when you can expect uh lg fab episodes to to come up um so what are we covering next is it sugarland express sugarland express of course it is i have not seen it oh you haven't i'm looking i have not nope there's well when we get to them we'll i'll uh cover the sort of um spielberg uh blind spots that i i have i have a couple and there are a couple that are, like might surprise people when i say i haven't there seen are them, two so. this season well i'll say one and a half i haven't seen the color purple start to finish i think i've seen like the back half of it on tv once so okay yeah, yeah i think this first chunk is the the most I haven't seen. So I haven't seen Sugarland. I haven't seen 1941. I haven't seen Color Purple, Empire of the Sun. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I, um, yeah. 1941 and Color Purple are the only two I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't seen any of 1941. And like I said, I've seen the back half of Color Purple. Yeah. And then there's there's some later yeah. as well. Then I think in Spielberg season two that I, that I haven't seen. That I think will be the ones that most surprise people but we'll we'll get yeah. to, we'll get to that eventually um so yeah uh, that's that's about it you can um get in touch uh with us uh we're on twitter and finstagram uh we're at jaws for a minute on both of those or you can email us jaws for a minute at gmail.com you can also follow us individually on twitter i am at sarah buttery and mj is at mjsmith891 uh, on our social uh, platforms you will find our link tree that has got everything that you need in one handy little link uh, to buy our merchandise through Public or Redbubble um, our theme song through Bandcamp and a link to our coffee page where you can send us a donation as well uh, earn a shout out on the show and an entry into a competition to win some merch uh, you can also support the show no extra cost, uh, you can rate review subscribe on your podcatcher of of choice um share it with people you know i think now that we're outside of going very in depth in jaws we might actually get some new listeners uh come on board which will be be great so yeah if you think that anyone will be interested in in what we're doing uh then please share it with them all the big spielberg fans in your life or just fans of good movies in general because we'll be covering uh, a lot more than just spielberg films as we go forward um, but yeah, we really appreciate uh, all the support and uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Uh, until then, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere. <laughs>